Hello and welcome to Football Not Soccer, your favourite Australian football podcast where we deconstruct the footballing weekend just like a lingering contact can do for any team's finals chance. And we will also be delving into the elimination final, uh, both of them in fact, and discussing how an eliminated coach has knocked the joy out of the city group. Hopefully anyway, Rob, before we get started, I got to know. How is sunny Berlin at the moment? Because it is pretty cool over here in in the old Oz. Um, It's sunny here, but uh, that doesn't mean it's warm because it was about six degrees the other night while I was sitting out on some river and talking until 3am, drinking insanely cheap beer. That's what I'm doing because they have these things called spetties over here where you just buy $2, 2 euro beers and just sit outside like it's a bar in front of the spetty. It's amazing. It's it's like a corner shop just with beer and a toilet and um, bakery food. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's Oh, well, that... Yeah, it's amazing. Sounds like you had a lot more fun uh, than Wellington Phoenix had in Melbourne over the weekend. <laughs> probably, my friend. Probably. Uh, yeah, they had a bit of a bit of a, a shocking night, which we will be uh, we'll be getting to in just a moment. Interestingly, it was the more boring of the two elimination finals, even though it had the most goals. Uh, with that other with that other game ending for one nil for Adelaide United. Um, but again, we will be getting to that in just a moment. Before we get started, I think maybe. We could have a look at, at the news um, that, that has gone by us in the, in the past week. And it looks like the purge, that good old A-League merry-go-round is continuing with Western Sydney Wanderers releasing 11 first-team players heading into next season. That follows Brisbane Raw's similar announcement. And we're sure to hear similar numbers come out of the rest of the clubs coming into the, into the next few um, weeks of the off-season. Uh, be, be sure to listen out to our um, to our episode, listener, because we are going to be covering the purge in a little bit more detail. But Rob, any surprises there? I mean, that signing of Georgievsky by by Wanderers is a pretty big one. I got to say, like they badly needed quality, and he is sure to provide it. Um, I think you're you're dead on, especially losing Josh Risden to Western United. Um, I think losing them them getting rid of Majok. Being a club man from Western Sydney, that they're, they're you know building their whole identity around, and players like Gallif Walker, who I thought was quite good in the last few weeks, um, kind of gave me an interesting insight into what Babel thinks is good enough or or not. Um, yeah, so it's pretty. It's a lot of players. I don't like it. I don't like it, Cam. Uh, there's something wrong with that. Yeah, yeah. But we'll talk about that more. Th- in there detail. is eleven's yeah. a lot, uh, and you're right. We will be discussing that much more at length when it comes to our our annual purge episode, which we tend to uh, take care of a lot of that uh, information. But more interestingly, that the Wellington Phoenix uh, head coach role has been filled next year with Ufuk Tale being allowed to end his contract early with uh, coaching at Sydney FC and taking charge of the Knicks from next season onwards. The former Sydney FC and Galatasaray midfielder is going to look to continue Mark Rudin's good work from this season, bringing experience from the A-League through his long playing career and coaching experience, which he's picked up at Sydney FC this season and uh, and previously also at the junior national team. Ufuk's going to be brimming uh, with confidence, I think, and, and also pretty keen uh, going into his first senior role. And his first challenge, surely, is going to be keeping this team together and building in some of the areas that perhaps they were lacking, uh, specifically with... Uh, 
with Sosa Mandy having such a shocker in that game, which again we'll get to in just a bit. But do you think that he can do a good job there, the uh, the old fat controller? <laughs> uh, well put, Cam. And uh, I think he I think he can. I think he's the kind of manager that a league club should be giving a chance to um, young Australian or Kiwi managers that um have you know started to do their apprenticeships in the a-league and know what the league's about and can bring some new ideas um better than kind of bringing in old managers that possibly you know are like a bit average so uh, i think it's a good thing uh maybe it would have been good to see a, a kiwi uh in charge this season one of the the guys that were there with Rudin, but it's it seems like a good good bet from the Wellington Phoenix. I'm, I'm I for one am pretty happy with that over somebody like Joyce. Yeah, uh, absolutely, and I think Joyce is gonna do gonna have to do quite a lot to even keep his current job. Never mind moving into a new role at a a different club. And I guess on that news, we can talk a little bit more about this huge signing for Western United FC. Um. Ursan Gulum, who's, who's signed to a permanent contract uh, coming over from Hebei China Fortune uh, for a second stint in the A-League after a pretty successful season with Adelaide United a couple of seasons back. The signing of the centre-back is going to bring massive solidity and experience to a fairly young squad, and his leadership is going to be absolutely crucial in forming a culture and a playing style at Western United. He represented Australia at under-23s and Turkey, on seven occasions and played quite a number of high-profile, uh, played for quite a number of high-profile Turkish clubs, notably over 80 appearances for good old Besiktas. And uh, born to Mel- uh, born in Melbourne to Turkish parents, um, his eligib- eligibility for uh, the Turkish national team was an- quite in contention, and nor will his experience, right, Rob? Because he's going to bring quite a lot to that young developing Western United team. Yeah, I think it's a, a really, really smart signing from Western United. They seem to be making um, all the right moves at the moment. It's very reminiscent of similar kind of um, marchings to the Western Sydney Wanderers when they came into the competition. You know, just just making really good, relevant signings um, with a mix of experience from the league and youth. And I think they're doing a really good job here. Um, Osan Gulam was very impressive for Adelaide. Uh, he's he's a very experienced centre back, and like like you said, he's he's going to be integral to kind of creating a culture at this club and creating a um, a kind of a, a a style to their play. So I think it's a really really smart signing by Western United, probably one of their best. Totally, I, I would say overall. And if he can keep Aaron Calva in check at centre back there, then you know they could have a pretty defense pretty solid defensive unit uh, with Josh Risden, as we mentioned before, already in their ranks. Definitely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And mm-hmm. just, just a month out uh, from the Women's World Cup, uh, which is kicking off in France in, in yeah, just over a month, I suppose. Uh, our beautiful Matildas are continuing their preparation with impressive performances across the globe. Kennedy, Van Egmond, Polkinghorn, Kerr, all amongst the action with Aussies scattered all around representing Australia in fairly impressive fashion. A huge mention to rising star Alex Chidiak, who lifted the La Liga Femenina uh, title with Atletico Madrid for their third successive year, um, which I find incredible because as uh, probably all of our listeners have seen in Optus Sport, Atletico Madrid get quite a huge number of people attending those games. And um, with with, uh, the Italy game looming 
on the 9th of June, Matildas are doing everything in their power to make sure that they're in their best shape going into that World Cup. And I guess on that note, we take a quick break before we head into the first section of our elimination final review, the end game of the Australian A-League football calendar. The Knicks, their travels, their fight is over after a demoralizing 3-1 loss to Melbourne victory at Amy Park over the weekend. Rob, neither of us were right. (laughs) I mean, you were closer to right with your 2-1 call. I thought it would go to the penalties. And after the first half, the cagiest half that I have seen in quite a long time and only separated by that stunning Niedermeyer header... I thought we were going to get a late goal from Wellington in this game that would take us through. But Melbourne victory, again, just showed that they are just too good when it comes to finals football. What do you take from this game? Mate, what can you say about it, really? I mean, it's it's demoralizing for Wellington Phoenix after what they've done. But it looks like the finals just came a few weeks too late for them. They just, they weren't informed. They weren't in the right mental space, um, I guess. And... um, Melbourne Victory did the job and they have so much experience across that park that once again they've just been able to quite ruthlessly sort out a team in the finals. Um, yeah, and and they did it in a fashion that made the game extremely boring. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> out of the two games, like I mentioned earlier in the pod, listener, I thought that this one was by far the, the, mo- the least interesting because Melbourne Victory just went about it like the cutthroat villains that they are in these final series. I mean, they never give the opposition an, a, a single inch. And you know what? After Roy Krishna put in that goal, which I have to say was an absolutely stunning finish at the at the near post, uh, you know, that mm-hmm. little flick over the keeper, over uh, Lawrence Thomas, who, who made his way back into goal for this game. I thought that there was going to be a game on, but it just proved to, to nothing when... Um, as was expected, Toivonen caught them on the break after they were pushing forward with as many people as they could to try and get that goal. The big game blaze of, of Melbourne victory, as always, got them over the line and showed the Kiwis how to control a game from start to finish. And there's really nothing that you can do about that, you know, when it comes to the A-League finals, because Melbourne victory are just that good. They're that ruthless, aren't they? Yeah, they are. And I, I really like the kind of point you make there. Big game players... And they're the kind of players um, that will take you through these kind of uh, high, um, kind of important games. And they just yeah. continually do it and do it. And how good was Ola Toivonen? He is such an oh, immense man. player. I just can't get my head around the way he plays Like throughout the entire 90 minutes. He's, he's, he's definitely a complete forward. And I, I'm not, I can't really remember if he's signed on for next season or not. But if he's not although I kind of think he is, but if he's not, Melbourne Victory should be doing everything they can to get him back because he's an absolute pleasure, pleasure to watch. And the way that he kind of commands the ball at his feet and the runs that he makes on and off the ball um, is just 
just really good to watch. And if you're a young footballer out there, a young Australian footballer or wherever you are in the world, that is one guy you should be watching because the way that he brings other players into the game is so, so integral. And I'm pretty sure he was man of the match. Is that right, Cam? Yeah, he had an absolute blinder, mate. And you know what? Regardless of, um, of any of that, I think it's safe to say that Honda has proved his quality throughout that match. And I think specifically because of the position that he was playing showed that you don't necessarily have to have your name up in lights to have one of the best games of the A-League season because the way that he just kept that metronome ticking and the way that he was able to control the game in a midfield that realistically should have been a a little bit more combatant was absolutely outstanding. And I want to give him special props, but by contrast, I have to say that Mandy Sosa deservedly came off fairly early in the second half because even before he gave away that that pass for the second goal I thought he was having an absolute shocker of a match I mean I, I wasn't counting but he lost the ball more much more than a handful of times he lost the ball yeah. a lot he had he had a terrible game Rob terrible like we're saying this uh this game came a couple of weeks too late for the Wellington Phoenix and I guess one can only ask um did they handle the Mark Rudin contract situation well enough? Mm. What did they should have they announced that earlier? Mm. Um, yeah, it was a bit of a weird one. I don't know. The players looked like they'd lost a little bit of that focus and a little bit of that drive that they had um, kind of developed. What was it about a month ago going into this final series? So a bit disappointing yeah. from Wellington Phoenix, but you know Usually. that's finals football, and it's uh, you only need to have a bad 10 minutes, let alone a bad game to get knocked out. So, you know, uh, props to Mon Victory to making it through to another semi-final. Yeah. Um, should we get into that semi-final? Well, it set up, set up a big, big re- repeat of last year's semi-final clash against Sydney FC, once again at Sydney FC's home ground, although this time it will be at Jubilee Oval in Cogra as opposed to... Um, to ANZ Stadium, uh, sorry, to Allianz Stadium. So it's going to be an absolute cracker of a match, but I think we can expect a minimum of five yellow cards and probably... <laughs> In the first half? Uh, yeah, <laughs> and probably weird? quite yeah. a lot of kicking. And I would say the goals will probably not be anywhere near as dramatic as they were last season. I think Sydney FC have probably learned their lesson and will foul a lot earlier if someone's breaking through towards the end of extra time. Um, Ninkovic. Yeah. yeah. But more, <laughs> more importantly, I think that, uh, I think that Melbourne victory once again may just upset the sky blues in this semifinal because they have all the, all the necessary tools and, Every time they've played Sydney FC this season, they've made them look like a pack of whimpering fools, if I'm being fully honest. Even though they did lose that last game 2-1 at the SCG, the one that we attended, I still thought that Melbourne Victory were incredibly unlucky to lose that game after a dominant second half in which they definitely should have scored at least a couple of goals if it weren't for a little bit of wasteful finishing. What do you make of this final? I think you're dead on there with... Uh, Melbourne victory holding the the upper the upper edge to to Sydney FC in this game because as you said Melbourne victory went not only a little bit better in each of their games um, they were a lot better including the game that they lost like you said that if they would have put it, put away a few more chances a few of those chances that they had the glaringly 
massive ones that that Redmayne did well to keep out on some some occasions uh that they would have won that game it's going to be a big game the best thing about a big blue is it's probably the controversially i'll say this but it's probably the most fierce rivalry in the a-league actually it definitely is um i would say you can't take away from it it's the game that keeps on season after season no matter how no matter what the team is, no matter how big the occasion is, it's the game that has the most um, tension in it. It's the game that has the most history probably in the A-League. And it's a, it's the game that I'd say probably is the centerpiece the, the centerpiece of the, the A-League calendar. And, you know, four games of the season is a lot to play each other. But this will be, again, the fourth time in the year that Sydney FC and Mom Victory will be playing against each other. And neither team is going to leave a single thing uh, behind at Jubilee Oval because both teams know exactly how the other team plays and they're going to be coming out 100 miles an hour. You can guarantee that. That's one of the first things you can guarantee from a big blue. Absolutely. And if that first final against Wellington was anything to go by, then I do believe that Melbourne Victory, like we said before, will be doing a lot of fouling because don't forget that in that first half against Wellington, they were absolutely battering them and they got the goal at the end of the half, which meant that they were going into halftime with a pretty significant lead. I've got to say, even though it was just the one goal, they had them beat all over the park. And if they can beat Sydney down similarly, then I just can't see how Sydney FC have a chance of winning this game, especially with some of those players that Melbourne victory boast, you know, like you got Terry Antonis, you got Honda, you got Ola Tovenen and, of course, Costa Barbarousas, who is just, on his day, absolutely unplayable, as he was, I would say, in that game against Wellington as well. Uh, it is going to be an absolute cracker, but I think it's probably time that we move over to the other side of Melbourne. Maybe one last point. Oh, here. please, please. Just um, just to note that both teams have have basically set up um, weakened teams to go to Asia. Um, probably as we speak, the games are getting underway. Um, both teams have sent weakened squads. Well, and Sydney FC they will be pr- actually lost course, to Ulsan yeah. 1-0 already. <laughs> um, oh, there we go. Yeah, Some games so, finished. And yeah. they're also out, I believe. That pretty much means that they're completely out of the okay, ACL. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, both, that means both Australian teams left in it are pretty much done and dusted yeah. in the group stages once again, uh, which we can probably cover another time. But it's still uh, worth mentioning that that would be something that um, would be keeping the focus solely off the, the final. So the next three, three, four days, that run-in is going to be quite massive. Um, yeah. yeah. And let's see if that extra day of rest does end up doing Sydney FC a little bit of good with uh, Melbourne Victory taking on Daegu on uh, on Wednesday night, of course. Uh, that's local time for any of you Berlin listeners out there. <laughs> uh, but yeah, over to, uh, to Melbourne City, who took on Adelaide United at Coopers in front of what, just over 13,000 people, which isn't too bad. But we did see Adelaide United win what was probably arguably the more exciting of the two finals, as I've mentioned, not just because of the dramatic finish with Ben Halloran coming through and, and finishing off Melbourne city, but also just because that second half, I mean, the first half was cagey, don't get me wrong, but the second half opened up like insanely. And although they were the two lowest scoring teams in the top six this season, it showed that both teams were incredibly keen 
to get forward and try and win this game, don't you think? Yeah, I definitely can agree with you on that, Cam. Um, like you said, this game felt like a finals game. Um, well, well, maybe you didn't say it in those words exactly, but the, the tension in the game, as we talked about, um, is something that you really don't find in probably most A-League games, but this game had that tension and it had that excitement. Totally. You could see it. Totally. You could see the determination in the players' faces. Um, they both turned up to this game and kind of gave it their 100%. Um, you could even almost see that um, the teams were a little bit nervous in some of their decision-making in the final third, and possibly that's why we didn't see as many clear-cut chances as usual. But overall, it was a it was a fantastic spectacle to watch, and it was so tense going into extra time. And yeah. a few of those chances um, that Paul Izzo kept out from uh, Shayon Harrison late and McGree before that oh, was man. insane. Very, very. Oh man, I got to say, Riley McGree was unlucky not to get a goal with that with that shot. And um, it wasn't just the one, yeah. Yeah, no, no. There was like yeah, one in particular, on. yeah. the one where he kind of turned into it and just like banged it, and and then Shayon Harrison, man, the the way he his face dropped when that ball when that shot was saved was incredible because he had an absolute blinder again. And I I got to say. At certain points in that game, I was really rooting for City because I really want, wanted that project to to take that next step, you know. But Adelaide was just mm. too good, and uh, it was great to see Diawara involved in the in the goal towards the end. You know, he really he really justified his his coming on uh, later on in that game, and and he's been. Yeah, you know he's been so absent all season, and then just to come in for the finals totally. and actually have some sort of impact—not even starting, you know—like <laughs> no, it's, it's such awesome. a weird, it's a weird thing. His his whole A League experience is so strange, and it'll be um, really yeah, interesting it, to see what happens with Kurz at the end of the season. If he does end up leaving Adelaide, maybe he might take up shop in Melbourne City because he. Mate, I was gonna say that. Well, we we know that um he's done. At Adelaide, that's yeah. that's that's old news. Um, but I could definitely see him going and sneaking a little slipper in Melbourne City because he kind of fits the profile. Somebody who can do it on a shoe shoestring um, budget, but very well structured defensively, bringing players through and oh, all this well, kind of. Melbourne City don't have a shoestring budget though. They got the biggest budget. Well, in that's the what A-League. I mean. Like if you, this is the the funny thing about this this um this team because Mel- we know that the city group don't want to spend money on Melbourne, but they have the biggest budget, which annoys everybody and annoys me. But Kurz has done an immense job, uh, by doing it on probably one of the smallest budgets totally. in the league, which is weird in a salary cap league. Let's not, let's not fucking beat around. Yeah, the bush no, 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 for sure. For sure. And Joyce has had all this money at his disposal and he, you know, he does it, you know, Richie Delat, this kind of thing, Bruno Fornaroli besides him falling out with him and he doesn't get the absolute best from that team. And that's why he cops so much criticism because he does not get the best out of his team. Kurz does the opposite. Totally. And it would be very interesting to see what Kurz could do with a club that would be willing to spend, if not a lot, but then a bit in a few quality players to go with a very well-structured defensive unit that knows their jobs, which I don't think is Melbourne City at the moment. For sure. And um, do you do you think that Adelaide United can stop Perth Glory from going on and, and claiming their destiny? <laughs> because um, Perth Glory did end up taking a good seven points off Adelaide United this season with two wins and a draw scoring four goals and conceding none against Adelaide. And we know that they haven't scored much this season, Adelaide, but if Bo- if Diawara has come back into the team, 
and uh, and Halloran is is finding his scoring boots. And do you think they can make a dent? Because if anyone's going to do it, I think it's going to be them. I can't see honestly any other team stopping Perth Glory. And Adelaide at least have that, like you've just mentioned, qu- quite well. I must say that organization at the back that can potentially see them through a game. I think you could be right there, Cam, uh, in terms of if the team can do it, could be Adelaide. But I I think Perth Glory, just on the stats from this season, um, mm. the, the highest scoring team, the, the, the stingiest defense, they, they're not a bad team. <laughs> I think we've got that established through the season. Oh, yeah. And I think it's going to be a bit of a task for Adelaide to get past them. But on a day, if Craig Goodwin decides to turn up, uh, and the FFA Cup final is is something of that to to look at. He can change a game. He's one of the best players in the A League, and he can do it. And he's fully fit and firing uh, in the yeah. last couple of weeks. In saying that, uh, Perth Glory are the best in the A League, uh, and not just by a little bit, by a lot. By a lot, uh, I think. Oh yeah. Uh, although there is a spanner in the works for Perth Glory with Neil Kilkenny. Um, picking up a knock and we don't know how serious it is just yet and if it's going to affect him enough to put him on the bench or not play at all mm. or play with uh, that that injury but um, that is a big one and he has been an ever-present for them this season and he has been their, their metronome uh, and he has he has been one of the key uh, linchpins in their defense so he uh, he him being in or out is going to be a, a big big uh factor in how that game goes down absolutely and although we we will admit that Diego Castro is the best player in the A-League and he, anytime he's played this season he hasn't showed any let up in that quality so even with Kilkenny potentially out defensively sure Perth might be a little bit vulnerable but I think they'll have cover and more than anything I don't think that Adelaide pose that much of a goal scoring threat to suggest maybe that Kilkenny's absence will make as big of an issue as perhaps we might perceive it to be. I think more than anything, it's going to be an attack first defense game. And if Adelaide end up catching Perth on the break, which they may well do, it may make it for an interesting game. But I think if Perth Glory take the lead in this one, there's not going to be any stopping them from getting to that final and ultimately claiming the championship that they so badly are longing after, after such a long time without any silverware. Do let's yeah let's let's finish yeah. this let's finish this up nice and tidy like what are your predictions starting with the perth glory game what do you think is gonna come i think perth will have way too much with economides fit with diego castro with keo fit i think they will have enough to at least score the one goal um if not two or three well adelaide chase the game i think there'll be a goal at some point in the second half for perth and then it's either going to finish 1-0 plus because I don't think Adelaide have enough up front um, to, to, to make it happen. That's my prediction. Mm. So Perth Glory, 1-0 plus. Yeah. <laughs> I think it'll be 2-0 to Perth Glory, just like the other two games that they played. Um, the only time that Adelaide got a point was at Perth Glory, but I don't think that the Perth Glory crowd is really going to let that happen this time because I think they're going to be well up for it, as will the team. And the Big Blue, where do you, where do you see that landing? Because I've got to say... I, I really, really think that Melbourne Victory are going to take this one. I'll say this right now. If Ola Toivonen turns up and does what he did against Wellington yeah. with Honda um, controlling the pace of the game and everything else clicking perfectly for them uh, with all the passion and excitement, 
I think Melbourne Victory will have too much for Sydney FC. Yeah. Although Sydney FC have the players to to kind of do the damage. So it's going to be a very good game. This is definitely the game of the round. Uh, I think it will be plenty of chances created and I think both teams will just kind of go for the jugular and try and fuck the other team up. Oh, totally. Fuck fuck them up is the motto for this game and I think Melbourne Victory are going to come out 2-1 as they did in two of the previous three matches that they've had against Sydney FC. I feel bad for Corica because he's had a pretty decent season coming up from the assistant manager role into the head coach role. But that being said, you've got to cut your teeth somehow and against Melbourne Victory in the semi-final, it seems like Sydney FC is starting to develop a bit of a culture of that. So we'll see how that we'll see how that lands, but we'll come back to those. And for anyone playing at home, if you want to dispute any of that, feel free to shoot us an email or get in touch um, at Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or the like. You can email us admin at footballnotsoccer.org. Otherwise, you can find us on Facebook if you just search for Football Not Soccer Podcast. And the handle for Instagram and Twitter is at FNSPod as usual. And I guess as well as that, I just want to mention, listener, that if you haven't yet and you do listen to this on iTunes or on Apple Podcasts, please feel free to give us a mighty fine review and a five-star rating <laughs> so that we can uh, we can climb those charts and get out to any Australian football fans who maybe are looking for a little bit of an alternative viewpoint of what is provided by Murdoch Media. And Rob, before we wrap up this game and look forward to the exciting finals uh, that are going to be concluding the majority of this A-League season before we head to the grand final in the next couple of weeks. Do you have any final words, mate? Uh, none none at all, except for the fact that is for the listener out there, just keep that conversation going. Keep the, um, <laughs> the pride of the A-League um, brimming, through, brimming through your chat and don't let people... Don't let people tell you it's shit because the A-League is not shit. The A-League is amazing. And if you don't love it for what it is, you can fuck off. If football chat was water into a cup, I want it hitting surface tension. Otherwise, you have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening, as always, to Football Not Soccer, your favorite Australian football podcast. My name's Camilo. My name's Rob. Have a great one. See you later. soccer no mate not about soccer and for fuck's sake stop saying soccer hey cam yeah what's up you still recording yeah how come you tell tell the listener um <laughs> why Messi's the best football i need to hear this i just need to tell me i need you i need you to tell me why what do you mean why tell me why because there was a fucking argument on uh, another big podcast of why he isn't. Somebody was slagging isn't. him. You would listen to it too. Isn't. I didn't hear Tell that. me why he is the best. Tell me why he is Why he's the best. N- never mind his goal. Tell me why. His goal scoring rep record. His influence on, on a Barcelona team that has gone through multiple different f- formulations since he joined that team at 19 years old. 
he is a joy to watch on the football pitch. And I get the argument that Ronaldo is this and Ronaldo is that because he's a fucking, you know, he's a big header of the ball and shit. But you know what? Without putting myself in any any kind of red line, red dirt bullshit, the worst thing that Messi's, Messi's ever been accused of is tax fraud. And I cannot say that about Ronaldo. <laughs> And oh, more than, why would you go there? And, I didn't say no, is Ronaldo and than, worse. And more than anything, and more than anything, anyone argues that Messi's not the best footballer of all time. Just look at the guy. He's an absolute gem of a human, and not just that, he's an absolute gem of a f- footballer. And that's not just the South American in me backing my boy, because really, I hate Argentina. <laughs> so, um, yeah, th- there's that. And I don't know if I want to include this in there, because fucking, who cares what we think about Messi and whatever. But nah, who the fuck was saying that Messi that. isn't the best footballer? Who it was, was one of the that? guys on the Guardian. Ah. It was one of the guys on the Guardian. He was just he just slagged him off. He just basically said he's played it like a pampered team that plays oh, to everything in his needs. Blah blah blah. Either way, I mean, there's that argument that Maradona pulled his teams through on on his own back, but that was in the Napoli. Yeah, but it was in the 80s, man. It's a different era. You can't compare the two. You can't compare. You just can't do it. No, you're right. You just can't do it. And besides, Maradona <laughs> uh, was really only good for what, like four or five years? Messi's been going at it for a decade and he's been absolutely unplayable for that whole time ever since he was a teenager. I mean, how can you fuck with that? Do you know what I mean? It's like 15 years now, by it's the mental. way. I think his first big year was like 2005 or something like that. It's just mental. Like, I mean, mental. 2004. I thought, it was maybe. Ni- I thought he was 19, but it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Whatever. Oh, maybe, maybe it was... How old is he? It's a, he's, he's like 30. Now. No, he's not. He's like 30. It's like it was like a good. 30. It's been a good decade, but it, either way, it's it's it doesn't matter. Doesn't fucking matter. 